0: I think some of y'all catching on, huh? I always like to say it like this. Seeking you find it somewhere else. Then you will begin to appreciate what God is doing in your life. Amen? Let's get into 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to start reading with verse 12. When I taught on the administration of the Spirit, I did 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 to eleven. Now we're getting ready to do verse 12 through verse number 18. When you get this, shout amen. amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 12. All right, let's read that together. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remain the same veil untaken away, in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when they shall turn to the Lord, The veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what I need you to do is, first of all, we want to make sure that we give you where we are right now, okay? Last week, we talked part one and two on the Lord is that Spirit. So, when you're going to get the message from the Lord, you have to understand that everything is in sequence order. I don't know this until I started ministering. I'm doing a teaching now on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me, the ministry, the ministry of, the of the Holy Spirit. Right, now the ministry of the Holy Spirit, don't just, but moment, we're going to go and show you that. And if you have a seat, we just take your seat. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is our, What we're now, we're going to be on this for a while. We talked about the Lord of that Spirit. We talked about that last Sunday. You you want to get get those tapes so you can be able to catch up. Because everything is in sequence order given to by the Holy Spirit. He's already teaching me what my next teaching is going to be. Because I'm able to see it out of the message. Out of what you study this week will come what God give me next week. So when you don't get what God taught me last week, it's gonna be hard for you to catch up with this week. That's what ends up happening. It's no different when you went to school and you miss a few days in school, you understood that because when you went to school on a Wednesday, you missed Monday and Tuesday, you realize you're behind in class. All right, it's no different in, in here. It's no different. All right, so I won't be talking about today, I'm gonna to be talking about for the teaching we're doing. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's ministry, or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to go to part three and part four today, which we're going to talk about the veil. Now, last week we introduced it, but we really didn't get to talk about it. So today we're going to talk about the veil, but we're going to talk about it as a man getting married. See how much you don't understand about a wedding. A lot of people, they want to wear a veil, but they may not even know what the veil is for. So when, when, when is the veil taken away? That's what the Bible just got through talking about. He said when, when the veil is taken away, the person now can see Christ. So I want you to just vision with me. I'm going to talk about today, Lord take away my veil. See, that has to be individually. Because until the Lord take away your veil, you can't see him. You you can go through all of the stuff you want to go through, all the religiosity, but you still don't see him. So Father, we come in the precious blood of Jesus our Lord. We thank you now for your Holy Spirit. You are the enabler. You're the one who openeth our eyes. So we can behold one of those things even in the old testament they said one of those things out of the law but in the new covenant we can behold him we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor now thank you for your great salvation thank you for saving us thank you for your death being resurrection on the cross we thank you for justifying us we bless you we praise you now for your grace your mercy your love in the name of jesus our lord and through your precious blood all the choice of the amen. amen. All right, now what I like to do today is I like to continue. Remember, we are connecting information. Uh, that's why we advise you to please get the tapes from last week or the CDs, or the, however you get the word here. Make sure you get that so you can connect information. Now, uh, today we're going to move to, the, to the, next, the next part. I already told you. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Before I go to Ephesians, uh, I'm going to go to Ephesians in a second, but let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and let's look at this one more time. And let's see what, what the Apostle Paul is saying uh, to the church at Corinth. Remember, I'm going to show you what his ministry is. If you have to once understand his ministry. Once you understand Paul's ministry, it's twofold. We're going to show you that today. And when you're able to see it, then you're able to study through the Holy Spirit this man, how God gave him the revelation of the mystery. So in 2 Corinthians chapter three, one more time, in verse five, I'm sorry, verse number 12, he started out with the word seeing. See, why would he use those kind of words? Seeing then, otherwise do you see, (laughs) amen? Seeing then, we have such great hope, we use great plainness of speech, But then in verse 13, he says, not as Moses. Sin, but not as Moses now. Not as Moses, because Moses did something. Moses put a veil over his face. Why did he do that? So the children of Israel could not steadfastly look. They put a veil on their face, so the children of Israel could not steadfastly look. They could not see what? They could not see the end. They could not see what? The they could not see the end of that which is about us. Let's stop right there. They could not see. What could they not see? They could not see the end. Now the end is a person. See, people are telling you the end is going to come. They don't understand what they're saying because they're looking at time. You, once, you, once you came into grace at the cross, you left time. That's why you need faith. See, people are still trying to operate in time. You can't operate in time no more. You need eternity. Everything is by the Holy Spirit. See, we think eternity is when I die. No, 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 no. Eternity starts at the cross. Why, why did you need eternal life? Why you couldn't get that before the cross? You need eternal life to live in eternity. You're not going to die and live in eternity. You're already living in eternity. You already have everlasting life. So why does God have to give you everlasting life in grace? So you can live in time. So you cannot live in time. In the Old Testament before the cross, they lived in time. The clock started all the way back here with Adam. Adam was 4,000 years before Christ. So the clock started tick tick and so when you look at the clock it says bc 4000 bc 350 bc 300 bc two, bc and it counted all the way down to bc3 when christ came you're not in bc no more that's time so when the bible talks about time and i'm going to show you that they was talking about the end of the time the end time not long How much time they have because they're in old covenant. So if you really understand how to rightly divide the word, then you don't you'll know what dispensation you're in. The dispensation you in is in grace. In grace, you don't have time. There's no tomorrow. It's eternity. That's why you have faith. And faith works in eternity. Faith did not come until after Christ's death. When Christ died, and raised again from the dead, he gave you faith to operate in eternity. So the just now shall live by faith. Now we live by faith. Faith is, according to Hebrew 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is what you're hoping for, but it's the evidence of things not seen, because you don't go by what you've seen in eternity. So when we had the communion table, we was doing what we saw. When we did the baptism pool, we operating on what we saw. That's Old Testament. Old Testament, you're going by what you see and you're going by what you do. New Testament is just the opposite. You're going by what you don't see and you're going by what you don't do. Just the opposite, because it, the works in the new covenant is his work, not yours. Now, for salvation. Now, you, 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 you in 2 Corinthians, I gave you something to do. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the last verse in verse 18, we're going we're gonna to hopefully get into 2 Corinthians 4. We're not there yet. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, told you all this is going to happen, but why we look, Remember I just told you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they could not see the end of that which is abolished. How many remember I just told you that? Israel could not what? They could not see the end of that which is abolished. I'm going to show you what was abolished. Because it was a law, right? But they couldn't see the end of that. See, what happens is the only reason people continue to go on is they can't see the end of something. If you saw the end of something, you would do what? You would stop. If you go to a road and this road is a dead end, you would do what? Automatically you stop because there's nowhere else to go. So they could not see the end. See, the end is a person. The end is Christ. And this is what happens with people. They sit up in the church, you keep telling them over and over and over, they keep saying, Oh, I got it, I see it. I don't see it. Lying to themselves you got to be able to see Christ. They couldn't see the end of that. Of that is the law. They could not see the end of the law which God had abolished. Because they could see the end, they would see who was standing at the end. See, what God did when he started off his Bible, he put a man at the beginning and he put a man at the end of the Bible. Bookends. He boxed it in. He has Christ at the beginning, and then at the end of his Bible, he has Christ. So when you say you have vision, that means you can see who at the beginning of the Bible, and you can see who at the end of the Bible. Everything in the middle is just information. Prophets, Psalms, Proverbs... All of that is telling you how you're going to get to the end. So that's what my responsibility is, is. That's why you always hear me say, listen, 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 because I have the vision for you. You don't have the vision for yourself. I'm here to help you see the end. That's my responsibility. Alright? And once you see it, it's going to change your life. Alright? So watch what happened. He said, now, we, the, talking about the same people, why we look, Paul says, why we look, watch what he said, why we look not at the things which are seen. Remember, you're in a new covenant now. You don't have things that you see. You don't walk by what you see. That's why we had to remove the communion table. That's why we had to com- remove the baptism pool. Because we're not going by what we see. That's why we don't give our bulletins here Because we gave you bulletins, we already told you what we're going to do next. And God gave us a series when he took the bullets away. It was called, Take the Limit of God. Yeah. Yeah. See, if you put the limit on God you have a bulletin, because you're going to only go by your bulletin. I don't care what God do in the church next. <laughs> Everybody understand what we're doing? It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit don't have your agenda. He does everything by the word. All right, now, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, that means you're going to have to have faith, right? Come on, bump somebody and say, you're going to need God's faith. faith. Right, it's not going to be your faith, it's going to be his faith. Right? Right? That's Galatians 2.20. We look at that next. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. King James used the word temporal. They are temporary. They're not going to last long. They are not eternal. So if I can see them, they are temporary. So if I have a communion table, it's temporary. I'm still trying to do, operate with temporary things in an eternal ministry. I'm still trying to operate with things I see in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, where things are not seen. So, where, where am I using my faith? I'm not. You don't have to use faith for what you see. You only use your faith for things you cannot see. That takes no faith for a person getting a water baptized. Get water baptized, and see, I got water baptized this morning. Didn't take no faith for that. I'm not trying to put nobody down, but anybody can do that. The sinner can do that. But for to believe God, you have to have faith. The sinner can't do that. See, the sinner can't believe God. I don't care what God say, if he don't have God's spirit, he can't believe God. You can only believe God if you have God's Spirit. All right. So that verse is very important. It said, Why we look at things which are not seen, but things which are seen. The things which are, are not seen. It said, Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen. Now, how many know what word they are called the things? Let me give them to you one more time. This is the 15th time. I'm gonna give them to you one more time. You only have Old Testament and New Testament. You have old things and you have new things. I told you that last time. Old things is the Old Testament. New things is the New Testament. All you have is old things and new things. Old things are passed away. See, the Old Testament has passed away, it's been fulfilled, it's been abolished. You only have now the new things or the new covenant. But the new things are not seen. Watch what he keeps telling you up there. Which, why we look not at the things, Old Testament, which are seen. How do you know some is Old Testament? He just told you. He just told you. No, no, no listen, he just told you. Why we look not at the things which are, if I can see them, they are Old Testament. See, if the are Old Testament, they are types and shadows of the true substance, Christ, which was to come, which are not seen. Got it? So why we look not, somebody said not, not, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So I have to take this away so I can't see it. See, I can't go by what I see. I have to go by what I I don't see. Because the things which are seen are temporary. Mm -hmm. They are natural. But the things which are not seen, they are what? What did I just tell you when we started the teaching? What dispensation are you in? You're not in time. So if you're not in time, what is the opposite of time? Yeah, but just think. If it's not time, it's eternal. You only got time, eternal. You're not in time. In time, you have a watch. Time started in your Bible in B.C., 4000. You look at your Bible at the beginning, it said B.C. All the way down B.C., it comes all the way down. Then it start at the, when Christ come, after Christ's death, they start at A.D. There's no more time. Because through Christ, in Christ, if you're in Christ, You sit together in a heavenly place in Christ. You are in eternity already. Christ is eternal life. Adam is natural life. So, if a man is not saved, what life he has? He got natural life. His life is going to end. So, when you got saved, you came to Christ and God put you in Christ. He put you in eternal life. He took you out of natural life, out of Adam, out of natural life, put you in Christ. He put you in spiritual life. He put you in eternal life. Now you live forever. Amen. That's how you're out there to understand. You can't go back. Well, what about if she went out last night? Was she at night? Was she? What about if she jumped off to Mississippi River? River? Was she in Christ? See you. We got all this stuff. Well, what about it? What about if she jumped off the Mississippi River Bridge? Was she in Christ? Nobody wants you to jump off the Mississippi River Bridge. But were you in Christ? Proud of you was in Christ. You probably would not have jumped off the Mississippi River Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. I'm quite sure you would have heard the Holy Ghost said, "Don't do that." Yeah, sir, all right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter three, we showed you that. Go back. We're done with that. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, and let's go back to verse 13 again. I'm taking my time right here because we're going to teach this the next service, and I hope that you stick around and get all this, all right? So, watch what he's going to say 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Not as Moses now, who's put a veil of his face. Why did he put that veil over his face? Moses became veiled. Said the law, the law was, veiled. was veiled. Said the Old Testament, the Old Testament. Is, veiled. is veiled. All right, it's concealed. The same word veiled means what? Concealed. It's concealed. The, the new covenant is? Revealed. Just the opposite, revealed. All right? So not as Moses would put a veil of his face. Now, to put a veil of his face is to put a covering, right? You do know what a veil is. When a woman come get married, don't forget she has her face covered. She has been veiled. The only somebody can take the veil away is the person that she's going to marry. You do understand that? I don't take that veil off her head. The man walks there that she's going to marry and he lifts the veil. Right? All right. So you want to think of that when you're thinking about the veil, okay? Now, that's why I named this message, Lord, take away my veil. Because only the Lord can take away your veil. So if you want to see Him, He must take away your veil. How, how many is kissing here? All right, now let's let let's do that one more time. Second Corinthians three thirteen. Now as Moses was put a veil over his face, why did he do that? That the children of Israel could not fast and look; they couldn't see. To the end, they could not vision to the end of that. They could not see the law had been abolished. They could not see the law has been what Abol- abolished. So put put down the word abolished. I'm going to give you a few words under the word abolished because they could not see that the law had been abolished. what what, what does it mean when something has been abolished? Number one, it was made void. If it was abolished, it was made void. Number two, to put an end to. So when God made the law abolished, he put an end to it. Here's another word. Fulfilled. We know that Christ fulfilled the Old Testament, all things. If he fulfilled all things, we know that all things is what? What? Um, if I could just get you to understand things in this Bible. All things work together for good, all things. Your Bible is full of all things. You better know what them things are. All right, and old things and new things. So you better know what things are in the Bible, okay? All right, number one, he abolished the old things, right? To make void, to destroy, put it into. So I gave you to make void, to put it into. Third, to destroy it. And number four, to fulfill. Now, they're on the screen. Thank you very much for showing that again. They have already been put into. Now, we know fulfill has other words, accomplished and all this other stuff, right? All that's what Christ did. All right. But let's, let's go to work because we want to be able to. Let's go back to Ephesians where we talked about. Thank you. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter one. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is what we talked about last week, uh, two weeks ago. Verse 15 through 20. Just want to key on verse 17. When I get to verse 17, after we finish this, I'm going to go back and read verse 17 out of the living Bible. We can do that now, I think. Not now. Ephesians 1, 15 through 20. P- the prayer, we, we just taught a series on the Heavenly Father desire. You need to get that. One of the desires was that, you, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom. Number two was the no. revelation of knowledge of Him. Number three is that the eye of your understanding being enlightened. You need to get that because that's what God prayed for you to, to have. All right, now, let's look at Ephesians 115. Wow. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ... That means you're saved now, Paul says. And I heard you saved, and I heard you had the love unto all the saints. Now I cease not to give thanks for you. Now I'm making mention of you in my prayers. Now I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and knowledge of him. Third, I of your understanding and being enlightened. Now my point is, Paul's prayer, we're going to go to Acts 26 after here, Verse 18. I'm going to start probably verse 15 through 18, but it's going to be in the book of Acts chapter 26. But he prayed that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Now, here's the point. Here in Corinth, he's talking about the same thing, but he's talking about the veil being removed. Can't you see if the veil is not removed, then what would happen here? The eyes of our understanding can't be enlightened. Can you put two together? Right. Right. So he prayed that the eyes of understanding be enlightened. Now, if the veil is over your face, your eyes of your understanding would not be enlightened, right? Because to be enlightened means flooded with light. So, what's keeping the light from entering into people's hearts? The veil. The law. The law. That's why I keep saying to you. When you go sit under somebody that teach you law, they are blind in your eyes. I like to put it this way. My mother taught me this one. They pull a little wool over your eyes. (laughs) Caught that right. Right, don't let them put the wool over you. Don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. Okay, but let's move on. The eyes of your understanding of being enlightened. Now, once this happened, it's so you may know, number one, I got the teachers in the storehouse on this, What's the hope of his calling? I think that's one of the greatest teachings that I have ever done. What's the hope of his calling? His calling, not your calling. New, people are teaching you in the new covenant that you are sent. No one in the new covenant that, that, that God sent anybody but his son. In the new covenant, you've been called. Now, whether you come in or not, that's up to you and God. But he called you to the fellowship of his son. He called you to have a relationship with him. So when you when you don't come to church, you, you're, not, you're not bothering me. He called you to do this. Every Sunday, he's calling you. I'm gonna stand right here and preach the gospel, and because of preaching the gospel, he's calling you to himself. Now you can stay at home, lay on the couch, lay up in your husband arm, lay in your wife arm. That's okay, just, just go chill out. Yeah. But he called you to himself. And I think we just think because we, we come one Sunday, we okay. I came last Sunday. That's okay. All right. Nowhere in the new covenant, he sent you. He calls. See, in the Old Testament, it was mandatory or you died. In the new covenant, it's all voluntary. Everything is voluntary. That's why I have... Uh, Minister Hayes doing, doing the offering because I want to teach everybody how we're going to do offering from now. We've got to give people time to do what they're going to do. That's a part of worship. All right, let's move on. Now, Ephesians says, I have your understanding of being enlightened that you may know what's the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in saints. We have that in the storehouse also. And then the last is his power. That's what the next verse, that's what I'm waiting on. Talk about his power. And what is the greatness of his power to us who believe. That's why it's important for you to believe, according to the work of his mighty power. Now, he talked about his power when he wrought in Christ, the next verse, this is what his power he's talking about, the Holy Spirit is what I'm talking about now. He talked about his power, talking about the Holy Ghost, because he's the one that raised Christ from the dead. He the one that set Christ at his own right hand in the heavenly places. It's the Holy Ghost who did that. It's the Holy Spirit who saved you. Let's go to that now, Romans chapter 8. Headed to my message. In the book of Romans, chapter number 8, we're going to start reading with verse 8. And I want to take this to verse 12 at least. Verse 11 might be sufficient, but I may have to go to verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then... They that are in the flesh cannot please God. This is a man that's not saved. He cannot please God because he's operating in the flesh, and when he's in the flesh, he's in time. And when you operate in time, you cannot please God. You have to be in eternity. And to to be able to be in eternity, you have to be in Christ. And in eternity, you have to have faith. Without faith, you cannot please God. Anybody see what he says? Alright, but you are not in the flesh. See, if you was in the flesh, you still operate in time. But you are not in the flesh, if so be that, so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Look at the very next verse. If Christ be in you, he talked about you in Christ first, then he talked about in Christ being in you, the body is dead because of sin. So we're going to go to that word after a while and show you these three words, sin, no, the law, sin, and death. We're going to show you that today. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is what right. is life because of righteousness. We're going to see that again. Then he's going to tell you how you was raised from the dead. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that's why I just showed you in 2 Corinthians 3. If the Spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead he shall also, if the Spirit in you that raised up Jesus from the dead, he that raised up Christ from the dead. See, Christ has already been raised from the dead. We've been raised from the dead in Christ. Everybody understand that? But if the Spirit that raised him from the dead, raised up Jesus from the dead, lives in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. We're going to look at that in our teaching. The word quicken, made alive, resurrected from the dead. But what did he quicken? He quickened your mortal body. Well, your mortal body is not your dirt. It's not your flesh. That's what we've been taught. We've been taught wrong. The word mortal body is your soul. He quickened your mortal body. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at that a little later on. Mortal has to put on immortality. That's what your soul. Your mortal body, he did it by his spirit. That dwells in you. So God gave you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in you, so He can quicken, resurrect your soul. That's why you live in the resurrection. The resurrection is not a time; it's a person. Okay. Now that's why I said in the next verse: we, we don't live out of the flesh. If we live out of the flesh, you're going to die. You stay in the flesh, man, you're going to die. All right. We are already seeing that. All right, now, I, I, I want to get to some things. Let's go to Acts. That's another thing I told you. See, Acts 26, let's go there. I think I told you we're going there already. Now, we're going to show you that because this is the Apostle Paul's message. Let's go to verse number 16, Acts 26, 16. Paul's message, you got to understand his message. All the way, I told you I want to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible. That's what I said. So after this, will you give me Ephesians 1 17 after live about? Not now. All right. But watch what God said to Paul. Rise. Rise, stand up on your feet. I have appealed to thee for this purpose. So this is why he appealed to Paul for this purpose. To make Paul a minister, first of all, then to make Paul a witness, number two. Both of the things which thou hast seen, Paul says, God said to Paul, and of the things which, watch what he says, two different things. To make him a witness, both of the things of which thou hast seen. Both of the things. Okay, no problem. Okay, we got our old system just for this morning. We're updating the computer. Okay, thank you. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose. Number one, to make you a minister. Number two, to make you a witness. i going to make you a witness and a minister, both of these things. First, the thing which thou hast seen. And of the things in which I will appear unto thee. First, the thing which you have seen. And then second, the thing which I will appear to you. Two different things. All right, I'm not dealing with that right now. Keep going. The next verse says, here's what I want to happen, Paul. I'm not going to do verse 17, deliver you from the people, from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Verse, this verse is what I want right now. Verse 18, number one, open their eyes. So here's Apostle Paul's ministry. Number one is to, oh, remember, Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles. So I know who he's talking about here. He's already preached to the Jews, I'm going to show you that, but now he's preached to the Gentiles. His message is to open my eyes. Now, if he talks about my subject, how many remember my subject? Lord. Take away the veil. If he's gonna open my eyes, what has to happen? You must understand, you must understand Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry is the same as Moses. Both men saw the Lord. Both men got their message directly from the Lord. Moses' ministry was given to him for Israel. Paul's ministry was given to him for the Gentiles. So you got to understand that when you talk about the apostle Paul, this is the man who was the apostle of the Gentiles. God spoke to Paul directly like he spoke to Moses directly. Ain't nobody else you're going to see he spoke to directly. He revealed him his word to Peter. When Peter was teaching in Matthew, he, the Holy Ghost revealed his word. The Father showed Peter his message. But Jesus spoke to Paul directly. That's why we have a New Testament. All right? Now, told him to write the thing. told Paul to write the things which thou hast seen and the things which I now will appeal unto thee. Remember I just read you that. All right, now in Acts chapter 26, number one, verse 18, number one, open your eyes. Number two, we're going to show you when you open your eyes, you're going to be able to turn them from darkness. We're going to show you that three things that Paul was going to give us, which is going to be called the veil. And we're going to name these three things, the veil of ignorance. We're not in it yet, we're going to just give them to you ahead of time. Number one is called the veil of ignorance. You might want to put it on the screen, type it out for them. Number one is called the veil of ignorance. Number two is the veil of blindness. And number three is going to call the hardness of heart. Those are veils. The veil of ignorance, the veil of blindness. And the hardness of heart. And it's when people are ignorant, it's because they're blind. And God says they were blind because the God this world had blinded their minds. When Jesus died on the cross, his whole purpose was so you can see again. He, had, he removed the veil. We're going to show you that. We can write that down, Isaiah chapter 25. Uh, We'll give you two verses, that's verse 6 and 7. Just write those down, we'll get to them after a while. But Acts 26, open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from the power of Satan. Now remember, he called, turn them to the power of light. But turn them from the power of Satan. So this veil is the power of Satan. He uses the law. He uses the law to blind the unbeliever. Now, God took away the law. He called it the power of Satan the veil of ignorance, the veil of blindness, and the hardness of hearts. Acts 26 18, power ministers open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from the power of Satan under God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, let's let's look at some things. I gave you something else I said we're going to go to. What we got next? We don't have 1 Corinthians 15? Okay. Isaiah chapter 25, and we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. Can we do verse 5? I think I can add that in there. I think verse 5 is going to give me a little more light there. Isaiah 25, right? Isaiah 25, verse 6. That's what I wanted. You're right. In verse number 6, Isaiah, watch what he talked about. Now, you gotta understand, I gave this last week. This mountain is Calvary. Isaiah is prophesying. I said, Isaiah said, In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all the people a feast. Now, when, when Jesus was crucified, that was fulfilled. So what was God looking at? He looked at the Passover, wasn't he? Come on now, that's only the feast of the Passover, so you know that's the only feast in the Bible. So when Jesus died on the cross, now he talked about this in Matthew 22, 23, 24, 25. He talked about he made a dinner. He made a supper. Are y'all with me? He made a feast, right? He said, and he taught them when he went to a feast, when you make a feast, call the blind, the lame, the maimed, the halt. they cannot repay you. Remember, he talked about it. Now Isaiah's is telling me, but when he was on the mountain, you gotta see Jesus Christ is crucifying his son. See, and what is he doing? He's making a feast. He's making a feast for all people to come and eat. See, he's making a feast of wine on the leaves, fat of things full of marrow. Wine on the leaves will be refined. He's making a feast, bread and wine. Communion, see? That's who Christ is, our Passover. And then he says, through making a feast out of my son. Remember, this is what they did with the offering. You have to understand, when they kill a cow, they didn't just kill a cow and throw them in the ground. Israel ate that day. Come on now. You don't just kill cows and cook them and throw them away. No, they made a feast unto the Lord. They killed the cow, and they took the blood, and they poured the blood over the mercy seat and everything, but they ate, they ate the cow, they ate the lamb. You understand? They ate the meat. That's why they told me, you cannot feast with the unbeliever because they sacrifice the devils. They're not sacrificing to God. But Israel was sacrificing to the Lord. All right, so they killed the lamb, the goat, the turtle, the pigeons, and all the things they killed, and Israel ate that day. So, you have to understand, but in that feast that God allowed his son to die, Christ became the Passover. Remember that night they ate the Passover. Now, they said, in this mountain, what are you gonna do when he died on the cross? He's gonna destroy in this mountain. Remember, I told you that's what we told me. He's gonna destroy the veil. I gave you definition for the word abolish. One of them is destroy. He's gonna destroy the veil. He says he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering, the covering, the covering. Well, what was the covering? It was the veil. It was cast over all the people. Because all the people of Israel had to know the law. And the veil that spread over all nations, the veil, he called the covering the veil. The veil is the law. Then he said, how are you going to do it? He said, he will swallow up death in victory. That's why we go to 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. He said, I will swallow up death in victory. Hosea 14, 13, I'm just giving them to you. He will swallow up death in victory. Somebody say amen. He will swallow up death in victory. Say that with me. Ehose 13, 14. I said it backwards. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God, the word Lord God means the Holy Ghost, will wipe away all tears from off their faces, and the rebuke of the people shall he take away. This rebuke that's over the people, he's gonna take it away. Somebody say amen. amen. He's gonna take the law away. That's what he did. From I'm, I'm waiting on my script. He's gonna take it away from off all the earth. Now he's not talking about Ponak. Wasn't it He was talking about the promised land. The children of Israel. That's who they will call. I'm going to take it off all the of earth, for the Lord has spoken it. All right, now let's see. Did he do it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, I love this word. All these things say, go to Hosea 13, 14 if you're right there. I'm you in 1 Corinthians 15, 54. You already there. I'm, I'm ready. Don't go nowhere else. 1 Corinthians 15 54 so when this corruptible now he's not talking about you're gonna die and go get in the ground all this stuff that's man religion he does not know what he's talking about every funeral he's gonna tell you how the Lord is going. To, that's okay but we're gonna put him in the ground but after, when the Lord comes, he's gonna call him servant well down all that kind of stuff man that's you in religion the bottom line Christ died so you don't have to go to grave isn't that something? Christ died so you will never see the grave. And yet man talking about the Lord going to come get you out of the grave. Well, I don't need you. Come get me no grave. He and I have been in the grave for 50 years and you're going to come get me? Hello, Savior. Why don't you think? What good is they going to do to come get me in the ground? Think about Job. All Old Testament believers. Now watch this. All the Old Testament believers has already been raised. When God entered the old covenant, he already raised all the dead of the old covenant who believed in him. He already have taken those people with him into his kingdom. How do I know that? Because the Bible told me so. See, when I read Ephesians to you right now, it said when He when He rose from the dead, He led captivity captive. Well, you ever thought about what that means? He led those who were captive. He led them to glory. He led captivity captive. When he came out of the pit, he brought all the people who believed with him. That was, was a procession. That was a procession. All the people, when he, wherever they had the believers at, wherever they were, when he rose from the dead, he brought them with him. The Bible says he, when he was raised from the dead, he, he, brought, he led captivity captive. When you read that, it lets you know all those that were captive. They could not go into the kingdom yet because they, 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 Christ hadn't died. They was in a separate place from the unbeliever. But it, it still wasn't what it it had now. They ain't glory now. Don't mean nothing no more, does it? They ain't glory now. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Christ hadn't risen from the dead. You, you would have never been able to experience glory. See, we think we think heaven. We haven't really tasted only by the word of God. But man, you talking about where well, you would be eternally. We're talking about everything that God had promised, and listen, it's just like, for example, when you live in, see, I'm from the country, I can understand this, uh, me and my sister over there from Lake Village, you know, I got a few folk over here from Lake Village. Or the side of the bridge now when we went to a house where it was on the hill for example and on the hill it had all kind of stuff we sit there and just look at the house we didn't care about the pecan no more we were looking at the house on the hill because when we came off the hill we had to go back to the three bedroom house with the with the pig shed, uh, shed in the back And the basketball goal where we made our rim out of, the, out of a bare end. You don't know Wasn't no barbecuing on that. We just cut the end off and made us a hoop. <laughs> Make you cry when you realize what God has done for you. Somebody say amen. All right, here we go. Now, so when this corruptible, talking about your soul, shall be put on incorruption? That's what happened when you got saved. You put on incorruption. That's Christ. And this mortal, your soul, put on immortality. That's Christ. When that is brought to pass, and it has already been brought to pass to you who are believer, then shall be brought to pass the sin that's written, this is what's already happening to you, death is swallowed up in victory. Look at somebody and tell them death has been swallowed up in victory. Now you got to understand something. If death been swallowed up in victory, then there can't be no more death in you. See, people talk about death. Now death was in you. Pastor, how you know all this stuff? It's in your Bible. Haven't you read? Go to Romans chapter 8. Start verse 1. Death is in the unbeliever. So when a man is not saved, he has, he has sin in him and he has death in him. Once you get saved, you don't have death in you no more and you don't have sin in you no more. Those things were in your soul. To Adam, eating of the tree of neither good and evil. The law brought that in your soul. But you saved now, you saved from that. Therefore now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ either. No more condemnation. No more judgment. Who walk out of the flesh but after the spirit. He's not asking you. He's telling you you walk out the spirit but you don't walk out of the flesh. Then he told you the law of the spirit of life. What is it called? The law of the spirit of life. What did he do? The law of the spirit of life did something to you. I don't hear you made you free from what right so that's why i'm teaching on second Corinthians 3 and verse 17 so the lord is that spirit and what the spirit of the lord is that is liberty there is no abundance he set you free from death freedom for the law of that spirit for, for for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus hath past tense made me free from the law of what two laws the law of sin and death so what happened what happened to those two laws if I ask Moses he says when he threw down the rod Moses rod did what swallowed up sin and death the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus when he came into your life he swallowed up sin and death out of you. you that's what he did See, we're not talking about that's why your salvation has been Christ, death, being resurrection. He said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. I'm just going back here showing you that what was in you, death was in you. So to be kindly minded, well, it's the definition of death. See, we think death is what the preacher told us. No, death is a corner of mind. To have a natural mind. Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So they gave him the mind. Adam ate of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So now his mind was corrupted. Ain't that right? His mind was corrupted with sin and death. So a man is not saved. His soul, his mind is corrupted with sin in it and death in it. Amen, sir. Hmm. There's an Old Testament word. Write it down. I don't think we get chance to go to in this service. But when the prophets in the Old Testament, when the prophet did not know what he was doing, he fed the preachers under him sin and death. And the Bible said it was in the pot. We'll look at that later. See, that's why you just can't run on here. I'm going on here. Just go ahead on. Just go right on. Go right on. When I get to be 80, I will tell you the same thing. I'm gonna keep telling you the same thing. When I get to be eight, I'm walk across this hallway just like I'm doing now, and I'm still preaching you, telling you stay away from over there. I'm just gonna keep telling if you're still around, because they're feeding you death. Death is in the message. Sin and death, that come from the, that's come from the message. I'm going to show you. He said, no, I'm, I ain't going to happen to me. I ain't going to happen to me because I'm in grace. Yeah, you in grace, you sure are. But if you go back across the line, I'm going to show you. You can go back across the line. You go back over here where there's sin and death. See, we just think, I'm saved by grace. I'm okay. Okay. When I get the wrong, when I get to uh, Galatians 5, I'm going to show you. 2 King 440. Here we go. 2 King 440. is on the screen. Are you there? Side verse 39. Back up one verse. See, so you got to understand something. When I'm preaching to you, I am the person who prepared your meal for the day. My wife will tell you when I get the word, I was in the bed yesterday. Uh, Saturday, last Saturday, this Saturday, 5 o'clock. Already in the bed. Not going to bed and go to sleep. I'm in the bed meditating. I'm going to meditate because I know God's going to get me up all through the night to work on your message. So you got to spend time in this. This ain't no just put something on 15 minutes, you got dinner. This this, this is happening in natural. It's not spiritual. You're not going to get no message in 15 minutes. I meditate on my message along that. You got to muse and meditate on it. So what you're cooking for the people spiritually got to get in your spirit. It must become life to you. Because if you don't, you'll be up here reading off paper. Ain't no life in that. It's not in your spirit. Got to get in your spirit. One went out in the field. First of all, the field is the world. Just take my word for it. Sometime read Matthew, you'll you'll read that. In Matthew it said, the field is the world. So this guy went out in the field. He went out in the world and he gathered herbs. He got his message. He he got his message from the world. He found a wild vine. He found a what? A wild vine. How many have been in the country know what a wild? You don't eat wild vines. You eat a wild man. Then he gathered there all wild gourds. Everything wild. He had his whole lap full. Somebody understand how you, you have your lap full of something? You have on aprons? He come out here with a lap full of stuff. Came and he shredded them all into the pot of pottage. But the next verse is more devastating than that. He said they didn't know what they were. They knew them not. They didn't even know what they had in their lap. They just had a lap of stuff, but they, they just got some stuff put in the lap and said, "Let's go back and put this in the potage." We gonna cook for the prophets. So they poured out for the men to eat. The men of God. It came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out, "Oh my God! Men of God, they're deaf in the pot. They're deaf in the pot." Stomach started hurting, paralyzed, headaches. Man of God, they're deaf in the pot, and the Bible saying they could not eat thereof. That's why I keep telling you, just running from church to church, just over here, don't know what that man doing. You gotta know what, You better know them that the Bible said that labor among you. All right, let's go back somewhere. So where was I at before? Thank you, Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 through 58, what I was reading, whatever one of them verses I was on. This corruptible head. O death, can we do that out of the good news? O death, where thy sting, O grave? Okay, we can't do nothing of that stuff. Thank you. O death, where thy sting, O grave? Where's your victory? Now watch this. He asked asked death, where's his power? He asked the grave, where's his victory? Well, if you're in the grave, then the grave got victory over you. Wouldn't that make sense? Why ask the grave, where's your victory if you're in it? The sting of death is sin. So you need to understand the three things here. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Where did the law get his power from? What do sin get his power from? He gets it from the law, right? So I gave you the how to look at it. Number one, God started off in the garden of Eden, told him not to eat of the law. The day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. Don't eat of the tree or not of neither good and evil, which is the law. Everybody understand that? The day you eat thereof, why why were there two trees in the garden? One was the law and one was grace. You do know that, right? They ate the wrong tree. That's why when you're talking about somebody, come on, go to church with me, you're about to find out what the preacher fixed over there. Check the cook out. Make sure the cook can cook. And he's not just getting some stuff out of his own garden. Yeah. Amen? Off his own mind. That's what people do. They give you, they give you the book. They give you they give you a few cup of scripture, then they throw their hackers across the shoulder like that, and go, oh, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> people just jumping up and down all over the place. Don't know what they're eating. Don't know what they're eating. Don't know what they're eating. Watch what Hosea 13 14 says. I would ransom them from the power of the grave. Now, you got to see this is what Jesus did spiritually and physically. For the people on this side, he did it physically. I'm going to show you that in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 and 51. On this side of the grave, on this side of the cross, he ransomed them from the dead physically. He's going to raise them from the dead physically. On this side of the, dead, on the grave, he ransomed us from the grave spiritually. Both on the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. What well, he's talking about spiritually and physically. Because they was in the grave physically. On this side, he was in the grave spiritually. I will redeem them from death physically. I will redeem them from death spiritually. That this is what he's doing on the cross. He's doing the Old Testament naturally. He's doing new covenant spiritually. Oh, death, I will be thy plague. Death, he's going to destroy death. Grave, I will be your destruction. Now, watch this. If I'm I'm in the grave, how is he going to be in grave destruction if I'm in it? That's Old Testament believer. In the the Old Testament, when he died on the cross, those in the Old Testament he raised from the dead naturally. I'm going to show you in the Word. In the New Covenant, the same man on the cross, he raised us from the dead spiritually. That's why there's two resurrections. You a chance to read John chapter number 5. There are two resurrections. All of them in the grave. And them that have not died. Both, two. I'm waiting on the screen. That's what I'm ministering on the screen. I will ransom from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. Repentance shall be hid from my eyes. That's Hosea 13, 14. All right, I gave you 1 Corinthians 15. Is that right? I said I gave you 1 Corinthians 15. All right. Now, let's go look at another one. I got about seven minutes. Let's look at 2 Timothy. Chapter number one, verse eight through 10. And then I'm going to go, you're going to write this down now for me. We're going to go to Hebrew 2, 14 through 16. See, this, this, stuff, this stuff has already been done. This ain't what he's going to do. This is what you get when you're in Christ. That's why I tell people, if you're not saved, you're in time. Your time going to run out. You don't know where it's going to run out on you at. But it's going to run out. Everybody going to know what you're doing. When time run out, amen, the natural physical man has a time on him. The natural physical man has a time on him. The man on the inside don't have no time. So when you're not saved, you can't play with me. I can't play with you. Get saved first. No. No. We get out here get to shooting marble, and all of a sudden you start over here, and your marble ain't come out your hand yet, and you're gone. I, I got, should have got you saved before you shot marble with you. We used to shoot marbles, but a can back, he remember them days? Somebody say amen. amen. Here we go. In Matthew 27, 50, Jesus cried again. When he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. He on the cross. He yielded up the goat. And behold, the veil of the temple. Here we go. When Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He tore the veil down. That's why we talk about the day, Lord, remove our veil. The veil of the temple was in twain. Watch this, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. There was an earthquake. And when that happened, the graves were open. Now, Jesus is doing both of them on the cross now. This is how powerful he is. He opened the graves of the one that was in the Old Testament. The graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose, came up out of their graves, and after his resurrection, came up out of the grave, and they went into the holy city and appealed to many. Real folk, real folk. What were they doing? They letting everybody know that Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. You can't can't dispute that, that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the prophets. You can't dispute that because they saw them out. David, King David, he's alive. He's risen from the dead. Went into the, well, that was naturally, physically. But on the other side of the cross, there was something going on over here. Because we are risen with Christ also. Amen. Oh, I didn't get it. Amen. Oh, my God. We set together in heavenly places in Christ. We've been raised from the dead in Christ Jesus also, just like they had. And what did God do? He Ephesians one and nine. Let me show you what he did with everybody. Ephesians one and nine, he put them all in Christ. That's what he did. That's what Paul get, got the revelation of. In Ephesians chapter 1, he told us what he did. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that's, that's where we're in now, he might gather together, there it is, gather together in one all things talking about old testament believers and new testament believers gather together all things both which are in heaven and those which are in earth that's the whole church he gathered all the old testament believer and the new testament believer he gathered all in himself how could he do this he is the fulfillment of noah's ark i said he is the fulfillment of Noah's ark. God had to remove the veil. Hebrew 11, chapter 2. I got so much word for you. I want to do Timothy because I may not get to Hebrew. second Timothy 1 and verse 8 through 10. This is going to be my last today, then I get started Hebrew the next service. Watch what happened. For as much then, As the children of partaker, you all still in Hebrew, let's go to 2 Timothy 1 and 8. I'm going to do Hebrew the next service. Watch what he's going to tell Timothy. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That's the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the fixer of the gospel according to the power of God. Be partaker who has saved us He's telling you what Christ did on the cross. He saved us. Not only that, he called us. That's why I keep telling you, you saved, you have been called. You called according to his work, not our works. He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. See, that, we're we we under his work, not ours. But according to his own purpose and grace. He called us according to his own purpose and own grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. Watch what he says. Before the world began. Otherwise, this is what God intended on when He created Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted sons. And once the ate of the tree of not the good and evil, it had to be delayed. And now God had to bring Christ back to bring grace back so he can have sons. He can only have sons under grace. He could not be sons under the law. Under the law, you could only be servants. And that's why you still have folks here talking about when well, all I want him to hear him say is "Serve, oh Jesus." You don't have no service in the New Testament. Only our service in the Old Covenant. All right, all right, here we go. But it now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Watch what he did. Who has past ten? He has abolished death. See, I'm showing you when the Bible says he abolished, he put away, he ended. There's no more death for the believer because you're in Christ. Well, Pastor, ain't we got to die? No, Earl got to die. Not the new man Christ. The old man here has to die because he's still in time. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? The natural, physical man has to die because he's in time. The new man inside of you is in eternity. He's in Christ. So he said, but now made manifest by the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death. Watch this, he has brought life. See, if you're in Christ, you are already in that life. He brought life and immortality. If you're in Christ, you are in life. God's righteousness. You are in immortality now. Mortality, mortal, has put on immortality. And that happened and brought you to life through the gospel. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, Be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.